You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. I was thinking quite a bit about how I wanted to start out um, tonight. And just in light of that song that we just sang, The Simple Kingdom, I love that that kind of line that's a main thorough through, uh, right through it. It says, your kingdom is simple. Lord, teach it to us. Now, if you pinned me down on it and you said real quickly, hey, Adam, what do you think about God's kingdom? Is it simple or complicated? And you didn't give me a moment to think about the way I would respond. I might be tempted to say, actually, it's pretty complicated. It's not about y'all, but I know what I can do. I can get into like the law and the rules and think about boy, the way the Old Testament kings into the New Testament, what's applicable and what's not. And man, we can really complicate something that wasn't really intended to be so complicated. I think that's part of the reason, the thing that they did even in Old Testament times. You see, there came a point where it actually became about the law. It became about doing the rules and being a good person and checking all the boxes and and finding yourself in this position where, at least from an outside perspective, you looked pretty good as it sat with your life in comparison to God. But I think that's why it gets complicated is because that's not at all what it's supposed to be about. Your kingdom is simple. Lord, teach us to love. I think in the end, that's one of the main reasons why Jesus came. If you were here on Sunday, we talked about the old covenant, how the the family of Abraham, which became the nation of Israel, was ultimately supposed to lead the people in this understanding of who God is and who he was. But in somehow they got it twisted, they got it turned around. But what I love about this song is it practically plays out what Jesus' kingdom is about. And it's very simply, Lord, teach us to love. Tonight we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about... Maybe the call that Jesus laid out to everyone, what it looked like for some of his disciples, and then maybe practically what that looks like for us today. But before we do that, I want to take a moment and pray. So would you all just bow your heads with me? Man, Lord, um, I don't know. I just uh, just look around, and I, I don't know how I feel about the position that you are moving in our world. And, I man, I just think you're primed to do something. And I wonder what would happen if those of us who claim you actually acted out what it was that you modeled for us when you were here, what you have been trying to get us to understand since the moment that you spoke this world into existence. I pray tonight that your name would be honored and what your kingdom is all about would be a little bit more real to each and every one of us. Thank you for what you do. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. stop. It was just so nice. Um, I want to take a moment and just receive this evening's offering. I just want to say thank you to those of you who are on mission for us with what you do. Um, you know, we were able to do some pretty amazing things with Wave Project over this past couple of weeks, and uh, we were able to kind of restock them in a way to make their ministry move forward a little bit. And the only reason we're able to do any of those types of things is because of those of you who serve and give. So truly thank you for what it is that you do. We're incredibly appreciative of that. Um, And I do have one other business item. Um, Y'all are probably sick and tired of me hearing this, but there might come a moment where on that screen they flash a message from my wife who is basically nine months plus pregnant and I might have to bolt out of here. So if you really don't like what you're hearing, just pray that that happens and then I will get out of here. If you're actually enjoying yourself, then you might want to pray the other way. Um, So uh, talking about this idea of of the simple kingdom that Jesus came to bring, um, a lot of you, if you're familiar with the Bible, know that there was these 
men that were quote unquote the pastors of the day in Jesus' time. They were called the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and they were like the religious authority of the day. And they had significant problems with Jesus. They had significant problems with the message that he was teaching. They had problems with him claiming deity be God. But one of the other things that I believe most of their problems stemmed from was the fact that he was taking their power and moving it to uh, away from them to other people. And they didn't really like that. So a lot of their involvement or their interactions with people were trying to shut down what it was that Jesus was doing. If you read through the gospel accounts, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, they are detailed accounts of either Jesus' disciples or men who knew Jesus' disciples and detailed all the interactions that Jesus had with people while he was here on earth. And we get a lot of instances where he kind of butts head with the scribes and the Pharisees. And that's because the scribes and the Pharisees did not like him. They did not like what was happening. So there's this, this moment where, you know, you can tell that they're pretty frustrated because of all of the things that have happened. And we don't get the details of how this come about, but I like to think they got together and they think, hey guys, Jesus is really taking it to us. We need to do something to kind of shut him down. So what they do is they find one of the Pharisees among them who's also a lawyer. So you got to understand, these men were incredibly intelligent. They had probably the entire Old Testament of the Bible memorized. And I think the text points out that this guy is a lawyer, just tells us that he is like the next level genius, if you will, among their group. Like he's probably fantastic at debate. He probably asked really great question. He probably can win debates when he's actually wrong. So they prime him, they get him ready, and they send him to Jesus with a question. It's a question that they want him to ask of him in order to trip Jesus up, in order to get him to stumble, to make him mess up or say something that they can use against him, that they can manipulate to get people to quit following Jesus and start tracking back with them. So the lawyer comes up to Jesus, and this is what he says. Teacher, in the law, what is the greatest commandment that we need to follow? We get to see Jesus' response, which is this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is equally important. You should love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the teachings of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It's incredibly simple. You can take those two verses, and I would never recommend disregarding the rest of your Bible or throwing out kind of the, the Old Testament or even the New Testament writings, but if we were to throw that scripture back up on the screen for me, if we were to go through and we were just to follow this out in our lives, if we had nothing else but we lived out loving the Lord with all of our heart, and then it's the second thing that is equally important, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Man, we could go quite a far way into doing some damage against our enemy in this world for God's kingdom. But you see, what happens is we can complicate it. We can make it into rules. We can make it into regulations. We can make it into all types of other avenues and facets. And the greatest commandment that is supposed to position us in a way towards God and towards our neighbor can get lost because we take something that is incredibly simple and we actually complicate it because we start putting the rules before the relationship side that God wants us to understand and that he wants us to have. You see, the kingdom that Jesus was incredibly simple in this. All he is looking for us to do is learn from him how to love him and then how to love others. When we begin to understand that, what God's guidelines are for us, that they're actually for our benefit. You see, even in other, the rules and the regulations, when God gave us those, it's not about 
making it hard. It's about the creator who knew how all of this would plan out, showing us the plans and the best way to live. That if we follow these instances, if we go down this path and these guidelines, that it's a benefit for us. But you see, we put those before the love and relationship component. And when we do that, we find ourselves in a pretty precarious situation. But the greatest part I think about this is when we learn to love him, he teaches us to love others, which then enables us to become an ambassador. An ambassador to share this message, an ambassador to help other people understand what it is that he's given to us and what his desire truly is for them as well. And very practically, very simply put, we start to help others find what it is that we have found in him. In Matthew 16, there's another instance where Jesus is talking with his disciples. Uh, I've been to the place in Israel where they think this happened. It's pretty amazing. Um, I forget specifically where it is, but there's this giant rock. And even in the rock, there's all these kind of cutouts where people would place their idols and they would worship other gods. So Jesus is looking at this place in Israel that means something to all of the people who are there worshiping in these really sacrilegious, anti-biblical, let's call it, kind of ways. And he's standing there with his disciples and he starts to tell them about his future plans about his future plans and how like that nation of Israel that messed up that's no longer bringing the message how he's going to redeem that in such a way and he's going to start this organization that we now know as the church and the church from then on forever would continue to take this message of love God and love your neighbor to the world. And as Jesus is standing with them, telling them about them, the very next verse is something he says that I think we can quickly overlook, but is incredibly pivotal for us here and now in how we live our lives. In the text, he's specifically talking to Peter, but I think this is a message that wasn't just meant for Peter. It was meant for the rest of the disciples and is meant even for all of us now in this point today. And this is what he says in Matthew 16, 19. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound, will, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, the second part of that can get a little tricky. But in this moment, when Jesus is talking to Peter, but not only Peter, but every single one of his disciples and followers who are with him, and I believe, in conjunction, every single person who would commit to following Jesus, what he is saying is, I want you to be a part of building this church. You have a critical role to play. There's something important about it to you. And not only do I want you to play a part in it, but I want to give you the keys to understand how to make this happen. See, there's a lot of people that have misinterpreted this text. If you've grown up in, in certain different types of faith, you'll hear people that will pray to certain saints, as they refer to them, the apostles and Peter. And a lot of people will pray to Peter specifically, Peter, will you allow my such and such a person, my loved one, into heaven? They get that from this passage because they think that Peter has the keys. Peter's at the pearly gates, and if you pray hard enough that he might just... You know, open the door and let Joey or Stevie or Billy or whoever it is just slide on into heaven. But that's not what Jesus is saying. A couple of months ago, we did a, a, a series on our ID renewal. And I talked about how in Ephesians, God speaks about how he wants to give every single one of us these spiritual blessings to help us while we're here on earth. And I just created the picture of a safe. And he gives us the combination. And we just have to twist it and open it. Then we can go in and take these things out to help us in our life. Well, I think that's like what is happening here with Peter. God is saying the keys to the kingdom, to helping you understand how to live in such a way so that people will know who I am, 
to live to let that light shine that Matthew talks about in such a way that they see you and they want to understand it. I want to give that to you. I will give you the keys that give you access to all of the secrets of heaven and everything that comes along with it. I want you to play a pivotal role and I have given you such ammo, such armor in order to be a part of this battle. There's an executive pastor uh, from a church in Georgia called 12 Stone. It's a guy that I just like to follow and listen and read to what he writes because I think he's really wise. And he says it like this is how God wants us to be involved in this pursuit. He says, Jesus said he would build his church, but he chose to do that through us. It's a divine partnership, his purpose and his power with our calling and responsibility. It's pretty amazing that Jesus decided to use us to share uh, his love for the world because the reality is at times, and I'm gonna speak for me, and you can self-judge yourself in this moment, not a negative way, but just a realistic taking the role of how we do. Like, I just mess it up. There are a lot of times in these interactions I don't get it right. I hear the Spirit kind of saying something to me, and I'm not sure, or I just don't want to, so I walk away, or I fumble around my words, or a myriad of other reasons where I just don't do it as well as I should have. And I'm just thinking, if I'm God, why would he even involve us in the process? Simple reality, God doesn't need me, and I don't mean this in a negative way, he doesn't need us. He could do this in a more perfect, better way, reach into people's hearts, speak to them about who he is without ever involving any single one of us in the process, which always leads me to ask that question, why? Why is it that would God would involve us in such a way? Why would he want to give us so much capacity in such a way to have such a pivotal part in something that is so significant, something that we could mess up in such a monumental way. And I think there's a bunch of reasons for this. But this has really been heavy on my heart. So this is the only one I want to share tonight. And it goes back to even what we talked about on Sunday in Genesis. Genesis 1, first page of the Bible, God says, I looked at humanity and I made you in my image. You see, even before I believe, and don't run me off as blasphemous, just hear me off in this, before you become a follower of Jesus and you get the gift of the Holy Spirit, there is God something inside of every one of us. When you are made in his image, you have a capacity to do significant things even before the spirit ever comes to live inside of you. That's why I believe if you look around society, it blows my mind, maybe because I'm so simple and practical and just really not that intelligent of a person. My wife hates it when I say that. If you're watching, sorry, babe. But um, like people do tremendous things, amazing things, monumental things, and that's because the creator of everything, something about him exists in every single one of us. So if we start like that, and then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, we are in a place where there is something that we can do, man, to really press into this world and this community and help in such a way. But the simple reality is that capacity, that God-likeness inside of us is not something that's fully developed. Like as we begin to follow Jesus, as we mature, it's a muscle that gets stretched. It's a it's a thing that needs to encounter resistance because anything that encounters ex- resistance begins to grow. It begins to grow, it begins to change, it begins to get hardened, it begins to get strengthened. It, gets, it becomes able to have more capacity to do different things in our life. But the other reality is in that moment, as you're doing it, as you're accessing, God wants to hand you keys to his kingdom. 
He wants to give us the insight we need to unlock the doors, to understand, to fumble through it and mess up and be okay with us not doing quite as well a job of it as he would. But in that, he's good with that. He's not upset, he's not disappointed, he's not frustrated, he's not angry. He is a patient, loving father looking at a child who has a God-likeness to them because they are made in his image, inviting them to continue on the journey, to continue to grow in the spiritual disciplines and blessings, to continue to access more keys to his kingdom in order to share this message with the world, in order to love him better so that then we can love our neighbors as well and become something of people that have a purpose, a place, and this amazing responsibility of sharing this message with other people. Because the simple reality is our world is jacked up. Like it's funny, but it's not. Like we're reminded an hour and a half away from us, people who are connected to this community had to go through another shooting instance where somebody, something happened in them where they didn't realize the way that God looked at them, they viewed them, and they went down a path. And I think sometimes we can rail at those people, we can get angry in those people. I'm not saying that's not justified, but man, I'm telling you, when God sees one of his children end up like that, it hurts him. It affects him, and in as such, I think it should do the same to us. And honestly, like that's a pretty extreme instance, but we all have people in our lives, in our community, where we see the damage of relationships, the struggle that whatever the pressure of society has been pressed on us is doing. We got terrible examples. Our political leaders do this horrendously, and I'm sad to say it, then it happens even in the church. You got people that believe the exact same thing ultimately about Jesus, but on non-essential other issues. Man, we rail and we are merciless to each other. There's no grace, there's no kindness, there's no decency. We are just belligerent and in doing so, we contribute to the depth of that depravity that is cutting into our society and hurting those around us. And the simple reality of that is, is that very bad is happening. But man, I just also want you to understand, when life gets dark, when it's hard, when it's difficult for the world, there's some good in that as well. Because what it does is it opens them up to the idea that they might need something bigger than themselves. Yes, that the world is hard. Yes, that there's a challenge. But those things that people grab onto in order to ease the pain, to ease the stress, that can't bring that satisfaction start to lose their luster. They start to lose that fragrance that they thought would bring what they wanted. And when that happens, they're able to be set up to walk into the only thing that can. Rick Warren was a, uh, a pastor of one of the biggest churches in America, um, in California. He's retired now, a place called Saddleback Church. And um, that church is the organization that came up with Celebrate Recovery which is a healing ministry that we have here. They are the people that came up with it, that set the standard, that created the dynamic that has been used in thousands of churches to help people walk through the incredibly hard times they are through. And I just love Rick's wisdom in this. I was listening to him. He said, it's amazing what can happen to people in their lives when they're going through challenging situations. 
And a lot of time, those are the very things that God uses to help them walk into a new life where they know who he is, understand what he says about them, how he created them, and bring them to a place that they can find healing, which results in them accepting Jesus and following them. So Rick is keen on this idea of grief. And I was preparing for this. I was remembering an interview I listened to him give. It was probably about a year and a half ago. It was when I was in seminary. And he said this. He said, grief will be a huge door to evangelism over the next few years. And I think we've started to scratch the surface of what that is. But man, I just really believe that the church, that thing that Jesus was talking about to Peter and his disciples that he wanted to establish is actually in a place where if we can get ourselves right, we can get our spaces correct, Man, we can really dig into what is going on in the world and be a light in a place where it's incredibly dark and see a lot of people walk out of those things. But our friends, our neighbors, those around us who are hurting, they will be looking for something. They will be looking for people who, in spite of the same set of circumstances, the same set of dealings, are acting differently, that they're not easing their pain with a vice. That they're not just binging out on Netflix for six hours. That they're not using alcohol or pills or, or whatever it is or food to ease the tension of the pain of what it is that they are going through. And as we're moving into that reality, I think it makes the church ask a very significant question. And this is why I'm giving this kind of talk in a midweek where there's not quite as many of us here. Like I'm making some assumptions about the people here that you're a little bit more committed, a little bit more sold out to this. But the question then that asks for each and every one of us, or the question we should be asking of ourselves is this. Have we done the work in our own lives with Jesus so we can be available to those who are hurting? If I was to sit down with you and we were to have a coffee or one-on-one, which is something I absolutely wish I could do, but the practical reality is we can't. But if I was to ask you as if, how are you in doing the work, what would your response to me be? In my life, in your life, are we in a position where God can call on us to be the imperfect image bearers that help a world that is struggling with whatever it is that we are going through? See, like the reality of this is what we're talking about. It's not like if, it, if this is gonna happen, it's gonna happen. Like it is boiling over, it is getting ready and there are people who are gonna be looking for somebody who can help. And in, in these moments, I believe with everything inside of me that God is looking across his church and he is waiting for people who are doing the work of spending time with him, of growing with him in such a way so that he can grab them and release them so he can give them the keys to the kingdom that he talked with about Peter a couple of thousand years ago so others can understand what it means to love him with all of your heart so he can change you and show you how to then love other people so they can understand what it is that you have. You see, in these moments, God wants to take them to a place where they see what he has done for them where they see where he wants them to take them. And I'm telling you, he looks to us. We are such, we have such a capacity to be what Matthew calls the salt and the light of the earth so people would see that, would understand it, and would want it for themselves. Man, I just think of Jesus looking at Peter. Peter and the other disciples around, and he's saying, guys, I want to give you the keys to the kingdom. I want to give you 
every single thing that you need in order to help people, in order to walk with them, in order to show them how they can deal with the pain and the grief and the suffering that they are going through. But you have to do some work on your end to be able to help walk them through that. And listen, I don't think this is something where you've got to spend six months, two years, ten years in doing. I think you get in a place with Jesus in a very short time. He can turn us around and he can change something in us so that we are then able to help others who are struggling in these types of situations. So if you're with me and you think this kingdom is simple, you think, man, this is something I want to do. In your heart, you feel God pressing in and saying, this is something I have for you. This is something I want you to be a part of. I think there's one question that every single one of us need to ask ourselves, and it's this. Are we gonna be in a position where God can call on us to help those who are suffering? Let me ask one more time. Are we gonna be in a position where God can call on us to help those who are suffering? Those who are experiencing grief, sadness, anger, frustration, hate, and every other emotion that the suffering of this world brings to us. Man, I'm telling you right now, I believe that we are in a moment where God is looking at his church and he is recruiting. He is actively looking for people that say, I'm gonna give of my time, I'm gonna give of my financial resources, I'm gonna give of my energy, my efforts, whatever it is, because this is a moment where it is dark, it is drastic, it is bad, and we are talking about people Like this is too great a thing to just walk away from and remove ourselves from. So the question for all of us becomes, are we willing and are we in a position to where we can change and move to follow this call that God wants to lay on every single one of our lives? We're gonna sing a song now called Available. I love this song. Um, I get um, songs for seasons of my life. I remember when I was in business and I was thinking about leaving and going into the ministry, there was a song called I Surrendered. Man, I wore that song out. I wore, yeah, you have too, huh? Man, I wore that song out listening and trying to get ready to, for whatever it was that God was calling me to do. And what I've come to understand is the only thing it took was me laying down and saying, whatever you want, I'm gonna do. And this is the song that he has for me in this season. Like for us, for the people who say, I'm a follower, are we gonna be available for whatever it is that he wants to call us into? I don't know if you wanna sit, if you wanna stand, if you wanna sing, but whatever the response you need to be in, I hope and pray that during this moment that every single one of us will do some business with God. Because man, I think he's right there and he's open saying, hey, if you jump in with me, You step back, you go for the ride, and you learn what this simple kingdom, this simple gospel is of love me first, and I will teach you to love others. I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And as I give you those keys, you're gonna open some doors, and because of it, some people are gonna be able to walk into it in such a way where their life changed, and every single one of us will have a key, pivotal part of what it is. Father, I pray that you would challenge me in such a way that I would make myself available to what it is that you wanna lead me into. And this would be a place where we as a people, as a group of people that say we are committed to loving you, would lay down every part of us so that we can follow wherever you lead. I pray you do business with every single one of us today and throughout the week and the month, Jesus. 
I ask all this in your name. Amen. been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.